Hey guys, this is JPO. Welcome to today's episode of In the Spray Room, the podcast of Soul Magazine. NYC's Street Art Insiders bringing you daily online content, exclusive interviews, studio visits, and spotlights on your favorite artists getting up today. In the Spray Room, we'll be bringing out the lighter side of these artists, getting to know them in a less structured environment, and talking about a wide range of topics with myself, JPO, Brooklyn's own Big Ronnie, Whoa, oh. and Bite Girl. Hello. Soul Magazine is compiled of a team of street art soldiers, and our mission is to bring original content to our readers, you guys, uh, and listeners, too, now. Uh, by artists for artists, this, this podcast is just another form of content for you. And uh, so let's start off. Ronnie, what you got for news for us, man? We got events coming up or something? Oh, my goodness. March 2nd is going to be a busy day. Everybody write it down. I'll give you a second to find a pen. Okay. March 2nd, in the morning, first event, Free Art Friday, walking tour with Big Ronnie and artist friends. We're going to be walking around like we do, leaving pieces of art, posting, engaging with the community, making fans, friends, the whole nine. Then we're going to be intersecting with Sold's first fundraising tour, led by Bite Girl. I'm super excited about that, where uh, I'll leave it to her to tell the details in a second. And the third event is going to be our second curated show at Butcher Bar that Dirk Cobain and I are putting on. We've got a nice show in honor of Women's History Month coming up. Five female artists, and uh, they're going to be My Life in Yellow, Jenna Morello, Danielle Mastrian, Hiss, James Wilde, and Emmy. Uh, Butcher Bar has been really nice to us, and uh, we're looking forward to the next show there. Oh, yeah. Bike Girl, tell us a little bit about the, the first sold magazine uh, street art tour. Well, the first of many coming up every Free Art Friday from now until. We'll be leading a tour in different neighborhoods all over New York City. This time we're starting in the Lower East Side for our inaugural tour because it's pretty much where street art began in many ways. So we'll be looking at history, looking at pieces that just went up in the last couple of weeks, and we'll be meeting artists and have lots of surprises planned along the way, and hopefully we'll find some of the free art goodies, too. Now, one other thing that we're doing uh, that should be of note, this is a paid tour. It is a sold fundraiser, so we would really appreciate some people coming out, supporting us, so we can have some money to keep doing what we're doing. And also, we are going to be focused on a really good giveaway, which is going to be a sold, branded uh, tote bag and a custom sticker pack uh, that you basically can only get from us. Uh, it's been curated by Erica and some of the curators of Sold, and we're putting together a nice pack for the tour participants. Lots of surprises. Awesome. I can't wait. So, a goodie uh, bag. What's that? A goodie bag. Yes. Sounds good. All right, without further ado, I want to uh, announce our special guest of the day, the one, the only, Chris RWK. How you guys doing? Good, man. See, I, tried to, I tried to pick it up a little bit on that one. Yeah, yeah, See. yeah. This is only like the 17th try, by the way. That was much more lifelike, by the way. <laughs> it was. It, was, it, was, it oh, yeah. didn't sound like I just woke up. No. Uplifting. <laughs> All right, good. Yeah. So how's it going, man? Talk to me. I haven't seen you since like uh, October, I guess. Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. Do you show? Do yeah. you show up at Wallworks? Thank you for making the, making the trek all the way up to the Bronx at Wallworks. Yeah. Absolutely, it was a great show. Had to. Thank Definitely. you. Definitely. Appreciate it. Uh, no, just been busy. Uh, got a lot of stuff going on. A lot of um, the past two months uh, brought out a lot of new merch, pins and key uh, keychains, pins. Uh, just did a collaborative shirt with uh, Knorr, 
mm-hmm. um, sweatshirt that we did some pre-sale orders and they they really it did really well. So I was amped about that. Yeah. And then um, thought of you know group shows coming up. And then I have a solo show coming up next month, right? Yeah, March fifteenth. The two one two. Yeah, two one two arts. Um, March fifteenth. Yep. Uh, two forty East Fourth Street. Nice. I'm excited to see that. Yeah, I appreciate what's that. What's the theme of that show? Um, well, there's really not much of a theme, but more of the idea of uh, the, the title of the show is I Never Left You. So basically it has the idea with um, the, the name behind the idea behind the name. I'll get that right. Uh, it's the got a couple of different meanings. Uh, one really has to do with, you know, just doing this over 20 something years, you know, just, I guess, you know, saying just too stubborn and too dumb to do anything else. And then uh, the other idea is really the idea of the the robot kind of making an impact on people and people realizing, you know, just recognizing it, really. And, uh, you know, it's it's just funny how many random people recognize the robot even though they have, might, might not know anything about art. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, going into that, do you have such an iconic image with the robot? Um People I've seen have had tattoos even done yeah. <laughs> of the robots. Tell yeah. us a little bit about that. How many tattoos have you seen? I've seen um, probably... Your work. I've seen at least 50, and I've heard of more. You know, yeah. not everybody gets a picture. They just go, oh, I ran into this guy in a bar, and he had, you know, your robot tattooed on him. And it's like, you sure it's my robot? And they're like, dude, I've seen your robot for 10 years. It's your robot, you know? <laughs> so, um... Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, like, you know, it's just a lot of them just do make an impact on me just because, first off, I don't even have my own artwork tattooed on me, you know. Yeah. So if there's somebody else to do it, it's just crazy. All right, you lost a bet. Sorry. Uh, you have to pick whose artist's work are you getting tattooed on you right now. We have to drag you to a parlor. <laughs> um, there's, there's a few different ones, but I think one that I've always kind of liked is uh, Evoker. Evoker has this uh, – it's a Garfield riding a skateboard, and he's being propelled by, like, a little fart cloud. So it's just – it's comical, but it also kind of – it has an emotional attachment to me because when I was a kid, a lot of the th- a lot of the first, like, cartoons and comics I would I would kind of learn from and draw from was Garfield. Yeah. And, uh, Jim Davis was just incredible to me. And then, um, like, I grew up skateboarding my whole life, you know. Yeah. What do you think the connection was between uh, the Garfield's creator and Lou Rawls? And Lou Rawls. What? Yeah, he did all the music, all the specials, all the Garfield specials. It was always Lou Rawls. On oh, music. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Fun fact. Garfield fun fact. Lou Rawls. Lou Rawls fun fact. Maybe Lou Nothing. Rawls liked lasagna. Yeah. He hated Mondays. I like Maybe. lasagna. <laughs> I haven't had a vegan lasagna yet, but I heard they're good. <laughs> I've had a, a few good ones and bad ones. Yeah? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of range for error in there. Yeah. I would say so. I, I mean, it's kind of so. easy to make one without the cheese, you know. I I was vegan for a, a long time, and, you know, I had friends who made lasagna, and it pretty much was just noodle, vegetables, noodle. Yeah. And it, it's good, but it's a little, a little boring. There's no texture difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's one thing with food is texture. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you telling me, like, uh, I think it was at Welling Court that you were vegan for a while. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, huh. it, I, I went... I nineteen ninety. Let's see. I was eighteen. Eighteen. I turned vegan. That was like around ninety something. I don't remember what year it was. Ninety seven, maybe. What was your reason for it? The animals. Yeah. Animals. And I I grew up listening to punk rock and hardcore, 
and a lot of those bands had a lot of positive message and spoke about a lot of the stuff that actually people speak about now in society, you know, like whether it was, you know, government stuff, health stuff, food, all that stuff. So, um, a lot of the bands had a lot of positive message, you know, pro vegetarian, pro vegan. So, you know, back then it was difficult. You couldn't go to Seven Eleven and get vegan stuff. You know, right. it took you know if you if you were vegan, you pretty much were making your own meals, or you trekked to find that one like vegan restaurant. Yeah. Usually back then it was like VP two, oh. VP two down on. Um, so you had to be really devoted. Oh yeah, vegan, so. yeah. It's really like the difference of being punk or being hardcore about lasagna. You're either going to be hardcore and find that restaurant. You're going to do the trek. You're going to be. It's true. It's true. Get there. Yeah. Or you're going to be a little more punk about it. And, you know, you roll the dice and you see what happens and uh, you make the best of it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So were you punk, more punk or more hardcore music-wise? Music-wise? Um, hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. I When I was, basically I was like seven years old, my brother started bringing home like Iron Maiden records. Those album covers were insane yeah. and just oh, yeah. and just they were awesome really just influenced a lot to me the artwork was beautiful yeah the, the hidden stuff that um that he snuck in there and stuff like that it was just amazing so like around 88 my brother started going to hardcore shows at cbgb's and he started bringing home all these records and next thing you know was i was copying him so i was like around uh like 10 or 11 this is the brother you first started writing with yeah 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 he well i really couldn't write with him because he was He's five years older than me. All his friends were writing. He kind of stepped back. His friends were all still writing, like Edge and Verse and all those guys. And I would kind of, I'd go along just taking pictures and stuff like that. That was like that. But um, yeah, he he like my brother influenced me on a lot of stuff. And uh, like with the music, you know, like around when I was ten or eleven. That's like when I found like Straight Edge and stuff like that. And kind of hasn't haven't looked back. You know, I've been Straight Edge since I heard this band Slapshot from Boston. You know, they had such a positive meaning with, you know, just a lifestyle that it was like, it was basically like being punk within the punk scene. You know, like what's more punk than not being drunk and and high with the punks. It was like this like anti almost. So, so, but you weren't straight edge before you went straight edge. Well, I couldn't be straight edge before. I mean, come on. I, I was, I was 11 years old. It wasn't like I was drinking on the weekends. That's what I'm saying, yeah. right? Well, no, you know, unfortunately I had friends who were on 12 started drinking, you know, they started getting into their parents' liquor cabinets and but stuff. But your yeah. whole life has been straight edge yeah. is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. that's awesome. So what yeah. does straight edge mean for anyone out there that might not have a clue? So straight edge basically means you, you abstain from things like drinking, like alcohol, drugs, smoking. Those are like the key ideals behind it. Basically like more of a, a controlled lifestyle. Like you, you, so nothing to do with social responsibility, so, nothing about how you live your life towards other people, being nice, just what you put in your body. Well, I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand. I mean, it, I mean, it's... Does it? Well, it's... See, I've always been the non-preachy kind. I've always just lived my life. If my friends drank, I just made sure they had a ride home. Like, I didn't... I never told them, stop drinking, don't smoke, don't do this, that. That was, you know, their life. I have my life. If they're not, you know, telling me to drink, that's cool. You know, um, so as long as you aren't being peer pressured, you can hang out with whoever you want. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm, I've been up. I listen. I've had friends who were straight edge. I've had friends who OD'd. I've had friends who have, you know, 
our barbecue people. You know, like I've had friends of all. What's wrong with barbecue people? But I'm just saying, when I was vegan. <laughs> well, oh, got like, it. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big man. I've, I've, I've been hanging out with, with, with straight edge, you know, drug addicts and, and barbecuers. What? I mean, yeah. <laughs> what? I'm just saying, that, you know, it's, know, it's an eclectic group there, you know. It's <laughs> nice. Listen, you know, the first time you taste my prime rib, I'm not sure you're not addicted. They they have vegan barbecue spots now. Oh, stop. Stop. You can call it something else. It may be very tasty. It's just like assuming that you can make lasagna without cheese. It's beautiful. It's a casserole. It's not lasagna. Some smoked vegetables are wonderful. I can agree with that. Yeah? Smoked vegetables. Yeah. Oh, yum. Yeah, smoked tomatoes, smoked asparagus. And where All those carcinogens. Awesome. Oh man! Nothing like turning something black. It's, it's not getting rid of anything no. healthy. No, it's not. It's not like microwaving something is not going to kill everything that's healthy in it. No. Yeah. Now, but it gives it such a nice color. <laughs> Audrey, my grandfather used to like his steaks what he called blue. So he mm-hmm. would when he was cooking for everybody, you know, he'd cook their burgers and the steaks. Oh, you want yours? You know, so his was trying to crawl out of the grill. No, he would take the grate off and put his right on the charcoal. Ah, what? a minute on the charcoal on either side. It was basically still cold in the middle. Yeah, and that was the way he loved his steak, and uh, that taught me how to hate steak uh, for a lot of years growing up. And I, I, I yeah, and I lived on the other side. I lived where you had to beat it first, and then it was not ready unless it was gray. Wait, oh. what are we talking about? Steak. Oh, like overcooking the shit <laughs> like out of overdone. it. Like overdone. I yeah, mean, my I'm dad from the used south. To there's like a lot that. of overdone steak in the south, and there's a lot of it where they dip it in batter and fry it and other things. Yeah, chicken, chicken fried, fried steak. steak. Yeah, exactly. Fried, yeah. Speaking of organs, it leads me to a nice question that I wanted to ask Chris. I love, uh, you know, the story behind the, the your robot's cut out heart. Okay. Why the scar? Why is the scar visible? Couldn't you have a cut out heart and not have it be visible? Well, so originally when I was doing the robot, it, I did the cut out heart that actually looked like a cut out of a heart. Um, fast forward a couple of years, a lot of other artists were doing that. So I stopped. It just was something that just, I was like, no. I was like, you know, like, I just felt I had to change it because it, it just, one, people would start confusing stuff and everything. So I started doing the X on the chest. Mm-hmm. And the X has, has like the ideal of that, that is where the heart would be of this robot or the engine or whatever you want to call it. But it also kind of nods back to the cutout heart that I used to do and shows that it was there. But it's not there anymore because, like I said, I, I just won't really do it because of how many other people are doing it. So the the X kind of just always had that that meaning. But the robot always I wanted him to have more of an organic feel to him, mm-hmm. and that's why he's got the name. Well, that's why he's anthropomorphized as a as a as in human form, with right? Arms and a head and eyes. You want you want right. to, you want to relate with him, right? He's got more of a human quality. He's not okay. as boxy robot. You know, he's not, the original robot I did was boxy, um, and I just didn't like how non relatable he was. Um, so when I started making him a little bit more, you know, emotion filled, he's got the hunch, you know, he's got that little bit of a nod of like a, you know, not sad, but, you know, you could walk past him on the street and not even acknowledge he's alive, you know. So so that's like the X always kind of has this meaning of just that's where the heart should be. Mm-hmm. Um, why not hide it? Really shouldn't be hidden. People should know that it's there. Was there. Should be there, yeah. yeah. That it's missing. Yeah. 
So here's my scar. Here's my damage. Deal with it. Yeah, just like everybody. Everybody's got a ton of scars. Now, uh, what I love about the, you know, the, and uh, again, you don't need to tell the story, but the origin story behind the robots is, and robots will kill, is basically being, you know, your automaton to death. You're nine to five. You're you're not uh, able to experience creativity or, or scratch any itches outside of having to provide that means for your, you know, your 2.2 kids and your white picket fence and your keeping up with the Joneses and the American dream and you know what I mean? Yeah, but it, it does. And, and it's more, for me, it's always been the idea of just even doing something, something to the point where it kills the, the reason why you even started it too. You know, for example, you know, you have artists who just overdo it. You know, they just, they kind of just let it become automatic and they don't really paint or do whatever art they were doing out of a true place anymore. They just do it because they know it'll sell. They do it because they know people will pay attention to it. And that was like another kind of feeling behind the, the term of Robots Will Kill because it becomes robotic. It becomes that just, you know, factory processed line artwork. You know, that, that Warhol kind of ideal of just crank it out. The factory. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you see that a lot, I think, uh, nowadays, too. It's oh, absolutely. like the, the factory mentality with, with artists kind of mass-producing. Absolutely. I mean, uh, unfortunately, I mean, I love art in general. I love, you know, quote-unquote quote, street art. I love it, but at the same time, I think right now it's in this really overproduced place. You know, it's you got every company jumping on the bandwagon, and you got everybody every artist jumping on the bandwagon to get involved. And there's oh, yeah. no... There's a real fine line now between commercial... Well, there's, there's no selling out anymore. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as selling out anymore. Nobody has a... has a... lack of a better word, a moral to stand on with it. It's, it's you know, it's paychecks. And Unfortunately, yeah, everyone still has to eat. I understand that. I definitely understand that, but... But Chris is doing it a different way. No, and I understand that. And what I'm saying is that's just that's the justification that anybody's going to use. There's a lot of oh, absolutely. Lines, so it's yeah. hard, absolutely. So it's a fine line of what you're still able to live with for a lot of people. Here's the here's the way I kind of always looked at it. If I change what I do, then I sold out. If I'm doing what I've always done, and they ask me to do something, that's a different story. But I'm not going to work for certain companies that I know do like atrocities towards like humankind okay. you know yeah. I mean, well no that's not well not but there's a ton from mcdonald's or uh <laughs> so well, you got, or Monsanto. but you got you got nike you got all these companies that pull such h&m h&m that was that whole big thing with that ad yeah. meanwhile how about the factory that collapsed and all these people died and everything so for me selling out has a different personal meaning than a lot of other people i right. think so monsanto don't reach out to chris rwk and what's sad is they started out as a decent company that's the funny thing did they really yeah you know yeah. the background to them I, I don't i just know they're you know part part them. devil but uh everything it's funny not everything but most things in time turn bad right it, it everything it, has the, a shelf life yeah the original meaning behind 90 percent of things just dwindles away a company buys them over a company changes new people come in and change it it's just you know yeah the only constant yes so um on top of music being a big uh part of your life uh, as a kid what else got you into art 
You know what I mean? Cartoons and comics were huge. Yeah. I grew up, uh, cartoons, I, I loved cartoons. Like which um, favorites? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Bugs Bunny, any of the old Warner Brothers stuff, the old Disney stuff, Tex Avery, like all those kind of guys, like all those original things, they had a great, they had a great, uh, um, impact on me. They were pieces of art. Absolutely. And you know, it's, it's just crazy how some of them aren't even acknowledged, you know, nowadays. You can't even find them on TV from what I've seen. You can't a find lot. Warner Brothers like yeah. cartoons. I remember when I was a kid watching it and they were made in the, those were made in the fifties. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? No, well, those were made in the twenties. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Whatever it was. Yeah, Warner Brothers heyday with the twenties and thirties. Mm-hmm. It's when a lot of the, uh, Mel Blanc voices and things like that. The okay. pigs came out and, so to, let's let's uh, let's talk comics. Mm-hmm. I'm a big comic nerd, Chris. I tell. Big <laughs> comic nerd. I bought these. Yeah, with my, And we're talking about some some uh, pieces I have on the wall. I bought these with my uh, paycheck money that I got from working at a comic book store in Brooklyn. Nice. Which store? In the '80s, uh, Selectable Collectible Comics on 64th and Bay Parkway. Great name. Yeah. Okay. Long defunct. The owner uh, got beat up by a bookie. And we had a black eye and a broken arm one day when I went to pick up my books. And my dad said, I know the bookie to beat him up. He might, he might need some help. Ooh. And, and I, I weaseled a job that day. And I would put all my money towards comic books and uh, nice. had some fun. I used to go to one on um, Fort Hamilton Parkway over in the 40s. It's a little small shop that was in like the late 80s, early 90s. can't remember the name of it. My father worked right near there. So basically I'd go to work with him, go to the comic book shop, spend whatever money I made with my father that day, yeah. you know, just go home. It's just comics. Comics were always a great escape. And just, I mean, just the way they were laid out and the speech bubbles, just everything. There's just so much to them. Um, they, between them, cartoons, they just really, for example, Gary Larson. Of course. Farsight. This, this oh, guy brilliant. can make a one panel image tell a story, tell a joke, and that made such a huge impact on me. One panel images that you remember 20, 30 years Abs- later. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's your favorite? I have a favorite. Um, unfortunately, there's, I couldn't narrow down the favorite. I mean, one of the, one of the, one of the most impactful one is the, uh, the School for the Gifted. You know. The kid pulling on the push door. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's pushing on the pull door, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. It, you know, between that and the dinosaur stuff, I mean, mm-hmm. what shows? What's... The caveman, uh, it's a, a, kid, a caveman family, mm-hmm. and the kid says, primordial soup again. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's crazy. Like, that guy was able to do that. Yeah. And, you know, for me, like, that's kind of how I approached paintings. Because, I, you know, eventually from comics to cartoons, I got into graffiti through my brother, like we mentioned before, and his friends. And then, you know, once I was in high school... You know, I was like, my art teacher was kind of like, what are you going to do for college? And I was like, I don't know, community college? And she was like, no, you're going to art school. I was like, I'm doing what? She goes, no, you're going to you're going to FIT at least. So and I wound up going to FIT and then Hunter, get my BFA. But I, I approach paintings in, in, in that sense of the one panel idea. Getting that reaction and that imagery into the person's head so it stays with them. Shouldn't need to tell a story to support it. Well, it could tell a story that the person, the viewer itself, creates. Yeah, I dig that. You ever slip any uh, old tags, any NDs in your work today? 
Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, sometimes when I do the layering and stuff like that, I I just it it just becomes un- for anybody who writes graffiti, you'll never quit. There's no cold turkey. Even if you're sitting there doodling, you're still oh, just going to keep it's writing. A, it's beyond a lifestyle. Oh yeah, it's an obsession. It, it's, it's a pathology. I don't know. There's so many words you can use, but if you don't, I mean. Graffiti artists are dangerous. You have to make sure they have paper and pens on them at all times. Otherwise, they're destructive. Yeah, it's true. So, Biker, when uh, you are the uh, the reigning uh, matriarch of the group, uh, when, <laughs> was the, when was the first time you saw RWK work on the street? Oh, the very first time was, oh gosh. So, it just... Years ago, there's a piece somewhere that was in Dumbo, I think, in a yard that you can't even see anymore or something. That oh, they took that work. whole thing? It was a, yeah. That was the Dumbo yard. Yeah, that was right under the, the bridge. Yeah, um, that, a long time ago. I remember that one. But, I mean, the first... Oh, gosh, I don't remember. Where did you paint it? That I don't even remember. Mm-hmm. That that was a fun one. That was through Mighty Tanaka. Yeah. Alex. Alex, yeah. 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 Good dude. Absolutely, yeah. But with him, I watched him paint two or three times before I would even approach him because I was way too giddy fangirl and he's like this is not just a New York legend this is like an international star so he was one of the very first international stars I ever approached unfortunately that just gave me the goosebumps (laughs) I'm not it feels weird he was hearing stuff like that that's why I asked her she's always got a great story well it's true I mean total giddy fangirl I didn't the first time I met you I probably said two words and was embarrassed when I walked off I I appreciate that it's funny because I've always kind of tried I I I like talking to people it's like you know I, I, I tell my kid all the time I'm like talking to people influences my work also hugely because interactions with people is what we have, you know. So well, when especially people, especially in this city, oh, absolutely, New York City. I mean, that's a whole another reason why a lot of my characters don't have mouths. You know, you walk by hundreds of people a day; they all have a story to tell, but you don't know it. So that's, that's why they don't awesome. have mouths. I, d- I didn't know that. Yeah, oh. yeah. So, um, thank you. So, um, hearing stuff like that, and you know, people being nervous to come up and talk to me, just really just. To be honest, doesn't make sense to me. No, I still don't. To. Come on. When was the last time you geeked out about somebody? It was somebody. I, I'll be honest. 100% I'll be honest. Is There's, there's no um, actor, musician, or whatever that I freak out over. Like, I've ran into a million more people in the city, and I'm just like, oh, it's that guy. Like, Artists? Nah. Come on, man. Nah. I it's, it's not fanboyed out, fanboy out when I when I saw Elvis Costello on the street. You wouldn't well, that's cool, out. but if he's standing right next yeah. to you, he's the same guy. He's just, he, he puts no. his pants on just like we do. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. He does. Nah, that's hold on. Let me that's... rephrase the question in a way that we'll get an answer. Hold on, I can do this. Got it. <clears throat> what artist would you love to run into with the hopes of working with them? Ooh, oh, that's a different story. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say the only actor or whatever that I would like oh. to meet. And have lunch with would be Danny DeVito. That's oh it. yeah, that's Putting the word that's out that. to Danny. Let's make it happen. <laughs> that's yes, that. I, I, Seriously, I, my my brother Let's used to work. My happen. brother used to work in a bike shop in the city, and him him and uh, Rhea Perlman came in, and and I was like, how did you not get me a picture? Oh. And then he he actually he's originally from uh, like this small town in Jersey, um, actually right where my mother in law lives, and he comes down there all the time, and I'm like. 
can we just get a little bit on the phone a little faster so I could just like zip down and meet him? When, when did but you anyway. start becoming a, a big DeVito fan? Oh, come on. I grew up watching Taxi as a kid. Yeah. You know, like late night reruns. You know, it's like. I'm a fan, but I don't think he's ever been better than Sonny. Always Sonny in Philadelphia. He's fantastic he's on Sonny? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But the, <laughs> yeah. that, that, those new Eminem commercials. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. 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 You want to eat me? That's so great. <laughs> it's hilarious. So great. So, so back to the artist question. Yes. So there are a few artists I would like to work with and and, and meet. Um, Shag would be one of them. Uh, Josh Angle. He's. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with his work. A lot of his work is like kind of. It's a very flat, um, old jazz record kind of feeling, like tiki stuff. Yeah. Um, him, Twist. Twist is an amazing. You know. Just his hand style alone just is incredible. Uh, those are really two of the ones that I'm kind of just like, I think are great artists, and I think they've done a ton of stuff for like scenes and stuff like that. Um, Give me an A-lister who you can oh, uh, work with. Wait, wait. Qu- Go ahead. Quick question for your movie star question. Mm. All, All right. Yep. Al Pacino. Robert De Niro. And... Christopher Walken. Out of those three? Yeah. Who would you well, rather Pacino, have lunch with? Pacino, I, I, Pacino I, I met on the street by my job. He's a whack job. He was like walking down the middle of the road, like, and some busy street in the city. Yes, he can. Yeah, but he also... I'm like, walking he, here! Yeah, he was, he was so disheveled looking. He was just... I was like, okay. Um, De Niro, I'm not a huge... I'm a De Niro fan in movies, I heard some bad stuff about him and, and Tribeca and what he did to wetlands and stuff like that oh. down there. Not a huge fan of that. Okay. Um, Christopher Walken, absolutely. Oh. Just, just, boy. just to talk <laughs> to him. Boy. <laughs> just to talk to him about you know going to school for dance and stuff like that. Just like and how he ended up where he's at and just it's amazing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That scene in True Rom- Romance alone. Yeah. With um He was never better than the Fat Boy Slim video where he danced. Oh god. <laughs> this guy. I'm sorry. Oh, come on, man. I had to mind. I have an opinion and that's it. You seen King of New York? Yeah, I know I'm a fan. Oh. I'm a fan. I'm, I like him a lot. It was great in uh what do you call it? Uh There's a dime bag sold in the street. <laughs> is it the one James Bond movie he was in uh um with Timothy that. Dalton. Oh crap. I don't remember. I can't remember the name of it. It was a horrible it was a horrible James yeah. Bond movie, but yeah. he had but uh, Walken's got blonde hair in it. Yes, I, it looks I've like a complete that. psycho. I don't, I don't remember yeah. the name either, man. Yeah. yeah, not Living Daylights, was it? Ah, I forget. I anyway, I don't know. Sorry, it's fucking right. James Bond. Random tangent. Do yes. people watch James Bond movies anymore? I they, don't, I'm, unfortunately, I, the, I stopped at like Goldeneye. I think. Well, I grew up on them, They're especially. Dying, I've con- seen everyone five times. Daniel Craig is my favorite, and if no. you want to help for that, sorry. Live and let die. Best. That's like picking your Absolutely. doctor. Paul McCartney, like the world Doctor Who. It's a little bit. It has oh, alligators. Jeffrey Holder in it. The, Jeffrey Holder was amazing. Seeing seeing what Harlem looked like in the sixties. Yeah, in that whole part brilliant. when they go visit is incredible. My only my only point here is I read a couple of the books. In my opinion, the placement in the chronology of the actor. Mm-hmm. Is what's crucial here. The last couple, starting with the uh, the casino one, uh, was early when he just right. got his license. He's impetuous. He's out there. He's making trouble. Daniel Craig was perfect in that. He's a good Bond, but if you ask me, Bond wise, 
I grew up with Roger Moore. Yeah, me too. Uh, Sean Connery was fantastic. Nothing to take away from him. No, and I mean um, Goldfinger, of course. You got Odd no, Job. You got Odd Job. Serious classic stuff, but can't get over the swamp. Oh, no. The, him running across the alligator backs. Yeah. Fantastic. All right, all right, guys. Enough. A metal hook. <laughs> a, a metal claw hand. There's a, there's a, the metal claw hand and... And Voodoo and the guy who was from the Seven Up commercials. Come on, Jeffrey yeah, yeah, Holder. Okay. Yeah. So, so back to Christopher sorry. Walken. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Oh, oh. the Uncola. It's great. All right, sorry. Back He's to art. And Annie. Yeah, back to art. That. Let's get back to art here, guys. <laughs> this is a, this is supposed to be about art. This is a lighter side. Yeah. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. The lighter. This is inspiration for art. I'm telling it's you. It's a more casual setting. It's all around Do us. Do you want to read the opener again? This is. You're not wearing your, your street art soldier uniform right now. Yeah, you are taking it nice and easy. At ease. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, uh. <laughs> go, go, Ronnie, because I don't got All right. Let, let, let's talk about Staten Island. Okay. I had family on Staten Island in Huguenot, in Eltingville. I dated half of Tottenville when I was in high school. Oh, hey now. Wait, so, so Tottenville, the, the, when it was oh, yeah. Tottenville. Oh, yeah, yeah, before it got boring. Uh, I, uh, besides the bridge, let's just take the bridge out of the equation for a second. Which bridge? The Verrazano. Okay. The, the one between Brooklyn the, and here. The Guinea Gangplank. Yeah. I don't think Staten Island is as bad as everybody says. I've lived. I I was born and raised. When I was eighteen, I moved to the city. Lived in the city for four years. Realized paying rent for one bedroom when I could be paying the same for a house on Staten Island was just stupid. To be honest, I mean, I you know, I'm painting paintings in my living room, you know, on a coffee table with my TV two inches from me. It, it didn't make sense. So. Knowing that I could afford something more on the island, I moved back to the island. Um, it just – a lot of people don't like it because I don't think they know it. And there's a lot of – you know, there is a lot of bad apples. But a lot of those apples come from Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people don't realize and that. Jersey. And Well, no. Usually the move is usually Brooklyn – Staten Island, then Jersey. It's just kind of like Queens goes to Long Island. All right, now let's let's tell the full story. It, it actually is. This is the migratory pattern of the Brooklyn Italian. You start Brooklyn, Staten Island, Jersey, and then ultimately Florida. Are buried in Florida. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's a truth. That's yeah. the way it goes. Absolutely, absolutely. But it's funny you mentioned uh, Huguenot. That's actually where I'm from. Um, and Tottenville, Tottenville. There used to be like good abandoned buildings out there you can go and paint and stuff like that. Nowadays, it's all row homes and you know condos and mini McMansions and everything and everybody from Brooklyn that's where they're all going to there you know, are some good things coming out of Staten Island though besides your work and some other friends that are working out there Wu-Tang Danino's Pizza the Pizzeria yeah. is open they open two places in the city I think I will be honest I'm not a huge fan of Danino's oh what do you like on the island um Ciro's Ciro's makes a good pie um I'm not a huge pizza fan i I would rather have pasta than pizza. One reason I think when I went vegetarian and vegan, you know, yeah, it ruined it for me. Cheese is just well, no, it's not whoa. just that. It was the easy access. You know, in the '90s, that was really the only option I had. You know, and I think it kind of ruined it. And at the same time, I mean, if I'm going for pizza, I'm going to go to L and B. That's that's the pizza I like. Thin pizza it has to be done right. My friend's father used to make it in his brick oven in his, in his basement 
that was that was pizza. So, so yeah, I'm not just I'm just not a huge pizza guy. I like pizza. <laughs> Audrey. Oh well, I grew up with a father who made Chef Boyardee pizza. Mm. What the fuck is that? That's not pizza. <laughs> Spaghettios on on some bread. No, it was a <laughs> Chef Boyardee pizza kit. That was how everybody oh. outside in the rest of the world made pizza because pizza was not a thing. Well, you you, you were in when Texas. I was in Texas. You had Pizza Hut, and that was it. And yeah. Pizza Hut's where you went after your team won or lost on Friday night. <laughs> that was LMB for me. You got chased out, and so That's you awful. know, and they didn't deliver. Oh, I, feel I mean, for pizza you. And, was and what my dad made. And they all looked the same. They all had that oh, same, yeah. still little look to them. And they put like a quarter cup of pa- of sugar in their sauce because yeah. they had to make it sweet. So you ate like really ca- eat it. it was it was really Chuck cardboard with ketchup and and wood shavings. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that was the only Italian restaurant in town for years, sense. Pizza Hut. But so. the, the, their pizza is actually pretty decent now. Is Funny enough, really? yeah. It yeah. been in many years. So, Chris, yeah. uh, let's, let's talk about uh, some of the fun stuff you have coming up. Uh, what, give us the, the, the broad strokes on the anniversary show at My Plastic Heart and what that's been like for you and your run with them. Uh, a few years ago, I had done a... Um, I did the anniversary show. It was the 15th anniversary of Robots Will Kill. Um, and they, they asked me to do a show. And, you know, I put together this group show. And uh, it basically, I wanted to mix artists that really didn't show together. You know, it, it, to be honest, it's kind of like I was touching before on, you know, the whole art scene, right, and street art scene right now is 90% of the shows you go to, they're all the same artists. You know, and that's not to put down the shows, but at the same time, What's kind of the point of having the same ten artists show together? And unfortunately, they sometimes they're bringing the same pieces of art to each show. Too. Oh, and a lot of times you can't. A lot of times you can't tell if it is a different piece. I haven't been to a group <laughs> show in a while, so is, I, I'm sorry it does happen. That's, that's funny business. That's no. artists. Come on, guys. That's one of the oh. reasons why some people have started doing more theme shows because they know they'll at least get original pieces of but art. I, but I'll tell you right now, for me, theme shows are. are Oh, horrible and pointless yeah. because not for nothing when somebody throws a theme on you like uh, G.I. Joe how many people are going to go buy a G.I. Joe piece you know and it and how many people are going to appreciate you're you know? narrowing a market absolutely oh, exactly. that's already narrow as fuck absolutely exactly. there are absolutely. only a few themes that work I can tell you one that does work and that's Biggie Biggie yeah. works I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. In 2018, I really hope I stop seeing Biggie, Biggie work. I, yeah. this, I I did a I did a drawing at the end of 2017 that I either pissed a lot of people off think, or a lot of people appreciated it. That, one. that was funny. Well, was that yeah. the robot with the crown? That was the ro- it was the it was the crown right. with the, the disease for like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, one of Herring's characters sleeping, and, exactly, and one of um, how many more? And one of Warhol's. Yeah. Soup cans, and it was just like you know. How yeah. about how about in 2018 we li- give these guys a rest? Yeah. Like seriously, like you need to add Frida Kahlo to that list, please. Yeah, I just I I ran out of space. You know, everything goes in threes <laughs> for me. Everything's in threes. So yeah, but no, I mean, I appreciate people doing art, and I appreciate people getting out there and doing it. I just think that right now, for a, a scene, I think it's just people see what's hot and they run with it. And they copy or appropriate whatever term you want to throw around and Get act like it's so yeah. copying. Have you had anybody in your career actually really copy you to the point no. that you had to do something? I've had yeah, quite a few. I've had people in in funny enough Texas selling these horrible 
versions of my robots at like swap meets and i had to send the guy really? a me- yeah i i sent the guy a message and i was like dude seriously and he's like oh i've never seen your work before i was like you haven't get out of here. i was like okay i get it but you're using like direct themes from my work you know it's not like you're just copying a robot and it just happened to look like my robot it was literally like let me show you a painting from three weeks ago you know it's like yeah you know. yeah yeah but yeah so it happens it happens Bad group shows are not good, kids. You heard it from Chris. Well, no, it's not. Listen, I'm not saying bad. <laughs> I'm not saying group shows are bad. No, I'm saying bad group what, shows are bad. Well, what it is is that it's. Listen, if if it's if it's the same ten to twenty artists at every show, what's really going to make the crowd come out and buy the work? And that's what people have to realize and think about. You know, if if you are trying to sell work and you're trying to be an artist for a living. Selling work is key, but if you're selling, you're, you're showing next to the same five people you showed five times ago, you're going to have a less of a market that's going to come and look at it because they're going to be like, well, it's the same artist. You're saturating your, your yeah. market. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, I did that I, a few years ago and I pulled back because I did a ton of to. group shows yeah. the only one way year. To have, for your work to have value over time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I, you I, have I, to think about each piece you're putting out there. Well, yeah. that's a whole other thing. I mean, I, personally, I don't think a lot of street artists or graffiti artists really take a canvas into account i think they literally just do what they do on the street throw it on the canvas and now it's good you know and and to be honest that doesn't make sense to me one why you know why is a person going to want to bring home you know the same character you did on a wall and put it on their wall when they can go and see it for free or take a picture of it or whatever i never understood that mentality of just copying what you do onto a different surface I personally always like my canvases don't look anything like my walls, to be honest. And I, I just think that's because I, I think there's more of a push and an, an idea behind them. It's not, you know, it's more of a color concept. It's more of a composition thing. A lot of people literally like, here's your canvas, middle of the canvas. Here's my character. I'm done. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yours have layers upon layers. I appreciate that. That's that. That's one thing. I, you know, time and everything like that. The idea of of in my paintings is what I like to kind of try and convey. See, it was opposite for me because I started my art career with, with, you know, canvas works and then started working out in the street, you know, shortly after that. So I was, for a while, I was trying to figure out what to do out in the street on a bigger scale because my work doesn't translate. Right. And that's, and that's one of the, and it's one of the harder parts of being an artist is being able to adapt to it and figure out what's going to work. Yeah. You know, I, I, unfortunately I have a lot of pet peeves. Especially in art, in the art world in general, right now. Well, it's, unfortunately, I've seen a lot of stuff, and it, and you know, like. Well, newer yeah. artists should learn from our mistakes. Of, of, of you know, that that's what I think they can take good well, that, away from. That's that, yeah. definitely that's one, and and another thing is if you're calling yourself a street artist, do some art on the street. Yeah. Don't, you know, a muralist is a muralist. I get it. You know, street artists. You know, ninety percent of them right now aren't actually doing street work. They're you know. They're getting, you know, uh, curated walls in neighborhoods that they're not even getting the walls themselves. They're going to a curator for them. And that I don't get. I mean, but that is also because I grew up in the 90s and for us to get walls was near impossible. Well, I think, yeah, artists can, like nowadays coming out, um, can skip a few steps, I guess, or think they can. Absolutely. And they, you know. Absolutely. It's you easier have, to, I guess. You have people, you know, come out of college and stuff like that and just going in going to people and showing their portfolio and they get Boom. buildings. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? You're 20 years old and you're selling paintings for $10,000. Oh, yeah. That, oh, yeah. That's insane. 
that's insane. Yeah. The, the market, yeah. the market is screwed in in so many ways. Yeah, they had a documentary that just came out on Netflix. I forget the name of it. I watched it, and, it, and it's all about these industry people, art industry people, talking about how fucked up the. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. The it's high crazy. end. I'm talking high end auctions. Well, yeah, and shit well, it, like it's that. crazy. Like that so, model's done. It's over. Well, high end gallery auction model is like. It is and it isn't because I mean they're, I mean, the they're, only, they're, they're the only, making records right now. Sales, yeah. but yeah. they're also getting in. They're ending up giving more and more pieces back because it's being found out that they lied for so many years about where people where pieces came from. Yeah. So it's like I don't know if they'll survive or not. Well. Well, they have enough money behind them. That's the thing. I mean, right now you have huge corporations investing in art, and it's weird selling artworks to, you know, people that you know are going in a vault and that being hung up. That to me throws me off completely. Yeah, that, yeah. that ruins it. Ruins the market because it sets an artificial level for a piece that isn't even attainable to be seen. You're using yeah. art as currency, is what Absolutely. you're doing, and just using it as an investment. Bitcoins. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Nothing to back it. All right, so let's let's uh, and that's uh, that's a recap of bad group shows, guys. Uh, so don't do that. <laughs> so why is the My Plastic Heart show going to be good? Um, this year, uh, well, I'm, I'm looking. So the the anniversary show was the anniversary show last year's, and any other ones for it just is just like a ro- as Chris RWK or Robots Will Kill and Friends kind of show. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, I want to do. It, it might have less artists than usual. But I want it to definitely have more of an eclectic feel. I mean, you know, like for example, like showing um, showing somebody like Chad Pierce or Mike Egan, you know, next to um, Matt Siren. You know, everybody knows who Matt Siren is in New York. Yep. They probably have no clue who those other two guys are, but now they'll actually learn about them. They'll actually see their work. You know, and and you know, there's so many amazing artists out there, and that's one thing. Like doing doing Robots Will Kill over the years. I've had the luck of doing is meeting artists from all over the world that do amazing work, put in the work. They might not get the acknowledgement, and that's one thing that kills me. I mean, like, there's so many artists that are just steps ahead and so much better than a lot of the people who get the shows, the sales, the interviews, all that stuff. And, you know, I just I don't get why. Because talent is only half of the equation, brother. I know it's yeah. what is it? No, no, no. It's it's the talent is fifty percent. Same thing in business and, and, and in, in companies that develop your product is half and half. The twenty five percent is luck and twenty five percent is how well you talk about you. It's how well you market yourself. And you know, our artist brain isn't always oh, adept at that, talking and marketing and articulating the value of their work. That's one of the things when I was in when I was in art school and I got my BFA, we didn't have a class teaching how us how to show work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was painting stuff and and you know colors and materials and all that stuff it wasn't uh hey chris so this is what you're gonna do and even if it was this was in the 90s it was i had slides all my work was on slides people don't have slides anymore (laughs) if i went to a gallery and said oh here's my slides they're gonna go how are we gonna view them you know they they don't care anymore so that's why artists get ups over other artists that they're better than what exactly mean it just Talent is only half half the equation. It, it's 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 really how well you get it out there. I was talking with uh, with Sucklord uh, about his the value that he places his art degree in hmm. his life, and he goes, "I didn't learn how to do or create anything in art school. What I learned how to do was talk about and sell my work. 
They actually taught me how to create a piece of shit and then sell that piece of shit. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a different approach, and it's, that's more of the idea of being able to validate the piece, not necessarily um, sell yourself and sell the work. I mean, you're, you're selling the piece in the sense of you can talk it up. I mean, there's been plenty of times when I've had conversations with people, and they're looking at my work, and they're getting a totally different idea out of it than I did, but I like that because that's what I want. I want that story to kind of create in their head, so... I did learn that in art school, but I definitely did not learn how to put together, you know, a, a credible portfolio or, a or, or yeah, like that. I remember one of the reasons I even started robotswithkill.com was I graduated Hunter, had my BFA, walk into galleries in Soho. I said, you know, I have my slides, you know, I'd like to drop them off. And I had people say, how old are you? I'm like, what does that matter? No, no. How old are you? And I'm like, what does that matter? You're not even looking at my work. Come back in a few years. I'm like, you didn't even look at my work. And they're like, yeah, but you need more experience. I'm like, and what? Like, what What does that even mean? Wow. So literally like that day I went home, I called my friend who was a website guy and I said, what the hell can we do? And then we basically well, brainstormed. What's that? You can't discriminate based on age. All right. Or appearance, <laughs> wow. or appearance of age. That's, that's absolutely illegal. Galleries. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. But you you got to remember, this was the early 2000s in Soho. You know, it was before, you know, you know Chelsea was just really blowing up and everything like that. So, well, Chelsea's like that now. Well, yeah. That's it's become that. Exact, that. Yeah. I mean, there are people walking the streets in Chelsea that get the exact same script yeah. today. And like I said, everything eventually becomes evil. Yeah. You know, there's always, it just turns. Yeah, it's just twisting and turning. Yeah. So, to, more about Robots Will Kill. Uh, all right, so in 2001, real quick, 2001, we launched the website. The website really wanted, I wanted a place that people can look at other artists' artwork, you know, the idea that somebody in Japan can see somebody's work from Brooklyn and, and vice versa. So basically, um, the graffiti gallery became like the largest, you know, part That's of it. I was going to ask you about. It's very impressive what you have accumulated on that website. Thank you. And now it's all due to Kevin, uh, the guy who I was mentioning before. He's a web guy. He figured out a way to do um, anonymous uploads. So basically, people can basically upload art, you know, art, artwork, pictures, whatever, to the website, and we have no record of it. You know, and, and that was great because I used to have, you know, cops come to me and ask me for stuff. Cops overseas, cops in Jersey, asking me for records. And I'd be like, I got no records. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, basically what would happen is the image would be uploaded. We wouldn't see the image for at least 48 hours. The servers were scrubbed by then. So all these images had no IP addresses. They had nothing that could be backed up. So that was like one of the biggest advantages. You know, and, and we have, you know, still to this day we have a library of, you know, tens and thousands of pictures. We're working on redesigning right now to kind of make it a little bit more of an archive and more of a streamlined kind of thing. All right, I'm going to nerd out for a second. Mm -hmm. uh, do you strip the metadata in it? Uh, I'd have to call Kevin. Yeah, because that's how you <laughs> All right. All right, Ask we'll, Kevin. We'll take that offline, but I, I love the fact that it's it's anonymous and it's, it's, it's user-generated when, when the streets yeah. talk. Well, that was the thing is, I mean, everybody was posting pictures. I, The original images that came to the site were me. I used to take a ton of pictures. That was like my thing. I, I loved walking, you know, Manhattan, Brooklyn, getting as many pictures as I could. Um, and time, it just didn't, you know, it just didn't prove smart. 
to be honest. You know, it's like, and then once he figured that out and we just had people literally, there was days, you know, in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, we were getting 500 to 1,000 images a day. Wow. You know, and, and we were getting, you know, visitors. It, websites now are different. I don't think people realize that. 90% of everybody looks at things on social media. People only go to websites for specific things, buying things, that's it. People don't cruise around websites really anymore. Early 2000s, mid-2000s, they did. Yeah, it's the truth. So that's why a lot of the stuff I do now is on social media. So, But back then, I mean, we were getting at least a a couple thousand unique visitors a day. Not hits, because hits and unique visitors are two different things. A lot of people don't realize that. Hits are per page. Unique visitor is an individual person going to your website. So we had, you know, you know, sometimes in a week, you know, 20,000 people visiting, just checking out artwork. And we could watch and see, you know, we had people in, you know, Africa, Japan, Germany, spending hours on the website. You could see like six hours, somebody spending six hours in like the library at their school. So you've influenced walls all over the world. Well, that's, that's, that's that was one thing that I really wanted to push and I wanted the people to know that there's artwork everywhere happening. It wasn't just in like certain neighborhoods because that's a whole nother thing with, you know, street art. I mean, like for example, you know, you mentioned the Lower East Side earlier. Right now, that's when 80% of the work is coming from. Not to bash it, but there's how much more of the city out there. Oh, yeah. That's, you know? why, that's why the plans to show everybody the entire city. Right. And that's why when you mention you know, going to the different neighborhoods, it makes sense. And people don't, unfortunately, a lot of the people that prescribe to the whole idea of, you know, getting out of, you know, getting out of the school and becoming this, that, and next thing, only stick around these certain neighborhoods. And it just, for me, it's just, that's not what, one, it's not what graffiti was about. Graffiti was about getting everywhere and anywhere. Right. In the most randomest places, you know, and, and just, I don't know, I just, like I said, I have a lot of pet peeves nowadays. <laughs> so, I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. end this, this, uh, I'm going to call it part one, man, because realistically, I think there's so much more that we can talk about, but I don't want to hold our, our listeners here for too, too much, like, you know, too long. Per, yeah, no, per I'd, I'd, I'd gladly come back. Awesome. You know, not a so, problem. Okay, so there's going to be a part two. Everybody hear Woo. that? Um, but yeah, so um, I just wanted to, uh, you know, put a little stop there. So before yeah. we let Chris go, Chris, just give us a, uh, a little uh, what's next, just some, some dates and uh, websites just so our, our listeners can check you out. Not that they have your stuff committed to memory, of course you <laughs> do, but... Uh, so pretty much on social media across the boards at Chris RWK and at Robots Will Kill, you know, Instagram, you know, basically all those generic things. Um, right now, you know, I'm working on stuff for the March 15th show at Two and Two Arts at yep. 240 East Fourth Street. Um, I just wrapped up doing a um, a project with the Black Book Diaries. Mm-hmm. That's going to be basically he's doing. They're doing episodes with a few different artists, and I'm gonna be the first artist, so that's pretty pretty amped that's on that. Awesome. I got to see like a you know like a, a not finished cut, and it's definitely looking amazing. That brings up another question, but for part two. <laughs> but anyway, um, so then like I said, I got a bunch of new merch and pins and stuff like that work coming out. I just did a collaborative pin with Boundless Brooklyn, where basically it's the water tower, and I did the robot on I it. Saw that, yeah. yeah, that's coming out oh, hopefully sweet. this week. Um, 
I mean, that's pretty much the most. I, you know, I have a show coming up at Redefine um, in August. Yeah. Um, a lot of like random group shows. To be honest, pay attention to the the Instagram. That's gonna be where most of that stuff's posted. Yeah. You know, I mean, there are. I mean, there's definitely artists out there. Like I said, that people should be checking out that might not get the attention. Yeah, shout them out. Um, them out there. Uh, Night give, Owl. Give us five. Five. Night All Owl. Right. Night Owl. Um, Biafra. Got it. Biafra's awesome. Sugarfield. Yeah. Um, Sugarfield on the West Coast. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. awesome. Uh, I don't know how he paints so small. It's incredible. It's Scrabble amazing. tiles. Scrabble yeah. tiles. I have a great random story, but we can do that for part two if you Ooh, want. All right. um, teaser, teaser. Herb Smith. Yeah. Venge. Course. You know, yeah. I mean, if His you don't know him. Such a great dude, extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah, he's, his work is just incredible. One more. Um, Pinky's still up. Let me see. Who else? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> what do you got? No, you know whose work I really like right now, and I think he's doing great work, is uh, Tommy the Animator. Oh, yeah. His new work, I think, is really pushing stuff. Yeah. And I think it's, it's yeah, I awesome. like it a lot. All right, man. Well, Ryan, you got anything else or, or Bike Girl? Nope. Yeah, just want to Good say uh, thanks to Chris. Uh, nice chat, and uh, everybody, stay tuned for more information from Erica and the contributors over at Sold about our events on March second. Come on out, buy some tickets for the fundraiser. We do need your support. Thank you in advance. Instagram Sold Mag. Um, what was your Instagram? Just so everybody knows, everybody, you want to say your Instagram real sure. quick? Sure, Bite Girl, but that's like Computer Bite B Y T E twenty four. Yeah, you guys know me. Have a good day. <laughs> thank, thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate Absolutely, it. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for Thanks being here. Thanks for coming. Bye.